Hey everyone, uh, welcome to another Roof Fitness Podcast. This is part two of our Racism, CrossFit, and Black Lives Matter conversation. Um, I have with us a very special guest, Tahira Britton. Tahira, um, she's been a member at Roof for two years now? Yeah. Holy cow, I finally got one right. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I didn't look it up, I guessed. Or probably longer than that. I'm going to put yeah, this a little bit closer to you. Yeah, because your baby's almost two. Yeah. Yeah, so longer than that. Awesome. Um, and we have with us uh, one of our coaches, Janet Jackson. She uh, has been coaching with us for two years and has been a member <laughs> for six. <laughs> six Hello. and a half. Six and a yeah. half. So um, awesome. Uh, you know, one of the things that I wanted to do today is, you know, we did a podcast recently. Um, it aired a few days ago. Uh on this subject, right? Um, and I wanted to have you two on here because I know um, Janice has some different experiences um, and I wanted to have Tahira on here to talk about her experiences and then kind of comment on where we are, where we are going forward, as well as some of the social situations we are seeing coming out of this, okay? Um, so Tahira, kind of tell me, where did you grow up? Um, I grew up in Montgomery, Alabama. Um, then when I was 26, I moved to the DC Baltimore area and now I'm in Louisiana. How old are you now, Tara? I am 40. 40? No way. I forget. <laughs> Jeez, girl. Are you really? <laughs> I thought you were going to say you were like 28. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm like, wait, how long is she? That doesn't add up. Okay. I'm 40. Yeah, girl, you look amazing. Yeah. You do look good. Like. <laughs> I was literally shocked when you said that. <laughs> All right. I'm red now. <laughs> All right. Now uh, y'all understand why that toddler is beating my butt. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. All right. Uh, Jana, you're my age, right? You're 36? I am, yeah, just a few months older than you. 36. Yeah. Uh, Jana, where'd you grow up? I grew up mostly in San Antonio. Okay. And then you moved to New Orleans for... I moved to New Orleans when I was 20 for college. I was... I finished school right after Katrina in the spring of 06. I moved to Chicago right after that for grad school. And then I came back in 2012. Awesome. So, Tahira, you grew up in a part of Alabama that we'd probably say is, is not known for being kind to people of color. Yes or no? Oh, it is. It was not kind to people of color. And it was really interesting. By the time I was born, the, the demographics in Montgomery, Alabama had changed where it was majority African-Americans. Oh, really? So, yeah. So by the time I left, the even now going back, it's still majority of blacks in Montgomery, Alabama. So the dynamics changed a good bit. But they still have high schools that are named for confederate soldiers is that changing or um we hope we're signing petitions to get those changed but you know i, I was adamant as a young child about not going to a school that was named robert e lee yeah or jefferson davis so to hear you bring up a good point and i think this is like uh part of continued education and we we talked before the show mm -hmm. um about how if anything's going to change coming out of these protests and that we hope, but history says maybe no, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a lot of signs that things are changing. Um, but I want to give a little bit of how continued conversation can change everyone. So I was part, and I say I was part, I was very indifferent about the Confederate statues in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm just going to be super honest about this. I was like, oh, it's part of history blah, 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 you know, and, and to me, I didn't see how it hurt. I definitely see that now, okay? Also, I saw an interesting post um, on Twitter yesterday. It's if you go to Germany. Oh, yeah. There are no Nazi statues. But that's part of history. Right. Right? So I thought that was super interesting. Now, I changed my mind along the way, and and I'm also, like, under the same assumption that that is a part of history of a treasonous country. Yeah. 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 I mean, you think about it, like, why do we have these statues literally on a pedestal to honor these people that lost a war and we thought, like, 
okay, we're abolishing slavery, you know, black people are all the way people. Like, you would think like, okay, but no, we have these statues honoring them. Like, why? But like you said, for Germany, Nazi what? Like, there's nothing there. But we all still know what happened. Right. And I think the issue that I have with it is, and I I have always had this issue, like, why are they still there? Why are they still there? And what are we going to do about this? But now we're seeing a change in this particular time period. It's like, it's time to get rid of them. Let's just take them down. What's the purpose of them even standing there? You're seeing, um, I've seen across the news just, Republican state senators, representatives across the South just being like, let's just get rid of them. Yeah. Sweeping change. So I think that's a step in the right direction. I think it is because it, you, especially from a person who's from Alabama, to always have that fight like, Alabama is a great state, it's changing. And then you go home and you see these constant reminders of, you may see a Confederate flag on the interstate, which has been taken down just a couple of weeks ago. Or you see the high schools that are predominantly black now that are Jefferson Davis or Robert E. Lee. And these these students who are wearing their school name with pride, because I graduated from this school, but at the same time, it's still named after these people who were in the Confederate. And so now to have those changes, to have people petitioning to get those names changed, I think it's an awesome thing, but it took all of this to make those changes. It took a lot to make those changes. I recently learned, like, it's interesting the amount of history that's not taught in high school Mm -hmm. or around most high schools. Yeah, no, here I'm just learning about all this. Seriously, I, I read about how. Um, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. As a teacher, I can attest to this. I have gotten in almost a lot of hot water for teaching things. It's like, this is not right, babies. You you can close that textbook. This not that's not right. Let me tell you what really happened. And so I'm, I laugh because a lot of things have been erased out of textbooks or the history is a lot of many times one-sided so when you're talking about change and so forth it does start with uh, many times the teacher and oddly enough my my students have always gotten this this militant we're going to teach it the right way even when i had students for six years that were majority white students i taught in a high school in maryland where I think it was over 90% white. And I still was just like, let me tell you what really happened. And those when I really had those race conversations was with those students. And it was difficult. Did you get in trouble? Um, It just so happens that I teetered the line a little bit. Right. And the students loved me, so they wouldn't. They loved me. So I had that on my side. But, oh, I, I taught her. A lot of stuff that I probably shouldn't have. So, to hear what uh, you said, a little bit of high school. What grade do you currently teach? Tenth. Tenth. Okay. So, all right. What school do you teach at now? McMaine. Uptown. McMaine. All right. So, you probably don't have a problem teaching whatever you want to teach. I don't. I don't. I teach um, tenth grade English and. We do stick with the curriculum for the most part, but I think there we always supplement with resources that the students need to know about, um, books that they may need to read. And I think that's an important part of knowing history. It's just like, okay, this happened, but let's figure out why this happened. Um, I'm gonna teach you about protest. I'm gonna teach you about revolutions. I'm going to teach you about this, but let's also understand about different perspectives of different people who were there, whether it's uh, women or whether it's blacks, or maybe it was those other races that came into play. But I'm going to teach you all of that. And it's important that we had those conversations. It's also important that we we teach those students or the younger generation coming behind us that you are the change makers. And as we see, when you look on the news, those are the change makers now. Yeah. I, uh, I read, um, I think it was the 1800s, post-Civil War, there was a lot of representation from black people in local state government, um, a lot of voting uh, to where they could actually 
help push, um, I guess, equal rights. Mm -hmm. And uh, I basically read, so what people don't know is the parties flipped around Mm -hmm. this time. Um, But it was the Democrats then, which became the Dixiecrats and... Or that was the Dixie Crass, and then they became the Republican. It switched, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. R- regardless, Abraham um, Lincoln was Republican. People all, were like, "What?" All across the South, and I think it was in Louisiana. I, I'm, I'm, my, I'm not totally sure on that. My, my, I read this yesterday. Um, the black people were just slaughtered on the way to the ballot box. Um, I want to say that was like 1863, but uh, anyway, it's just the more I read about it, the more that I didn't know the tougher it gets. Um, so with that being said, that's the name of our podcast. <laughs> uh, lighter heart note. Um, when I don't think, I think there's a lot of ignorant people out there that just fly the Confederate flag because they think it represents the South. Okay. Um, well, how does that make you feel? Both of you. It upsets me because that flag was flown at a time when there were slaves and families ripped apart. You know, black people weren't considered a whole person. You know, my life back then truly wouldn't have mattered. I was just somebody's servant and whatever. I was supposed to do whatever they wanted. So it's like, maybe they think it's part of history, like the statues, but it offends me, and I'm like, if I see that, I'm like, I can never be friends with that person because there's a fundamental disagreement on, you know, like humanity. Like we just think two different things. You know what I mean? Like, and I would never even attempt to be. You wouldn't with walk them. around. Well, I mean, some people do, but no sane, normal person would walk around with a swastika on their arm. <laughs> Listen, if I mean, you, I, I see you out there. There's people be, out there, be, but that person who's doing that is sending a message. Right. Do you know what I mean? They're like, they're sending a message. You know what, what they mean. And so like, that's what I think when I see a Confederate flag. What about you, Tahira? It's the same. It's the same. Um, it's very, to me, it was always offensive. I always cringe. And it was really interesting when I was put in situations where I had to deal with people directly who had those confederate shirts on and i still had to be the teacher or i still had to be the person like okay this is this is very awkward but did you talk to them about it um i did it really had gotten to a point where i had to talk with the particular students and let them know like out of respect for me when you come in my classroom you're gonna have to change the shirts inside out but why it's heritage and no, it's not. Just turn it inside out for my sake at this point. Mutual respect. And it got to that point where it's like, okay, we're just not going to even wear them to school because we know we have her class. But it really had to come down to that conversation. It's just like if you, out of respect, you have to understand where I'm coming from. I have to, I'm not going to treat you any differently, but because that's my job. I'm mm-hmm. a teacher. I'm not going to, this is a child, but you're going to have to turn that inside out. And I, even now when I see um, a Confederate flag, I cringe. It is, it's like, wow, people really still think like that at this time period? I texted Jana yesterday. <laughs> I, uh, was it yesterday? Yeah. Time is irrelevant uh, yeah, these days. Time is irrelevant. <laughs> yeah. um, I, around the corner, I, I saw one flying on a house. I mean, it was a beat-up house. It was a, uh, there was a Trump flag, and then there was a American flag, and then there was a Confederate flag. And I'm like, I don't think you can fly the American flag and the Confederate flag no, at the same like time. It's two different it's things. It's very two different things. Um, but nonetheless, I texted Jana and I was like, I want to burn this flag down. That was like my gut reaction. <laughs> it's, it's nuts. Um, but that's how I feel these days. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, I've always felt that way. Yeah. Okay. But now there's like a visceral mm-hmm. reaction. I, and I feel like you are starting to see a lot more, I don't want to say... It, not woke white people, but white people that were sympathetic. I'm going to say not racist, okay? Right. Mm-hmm. But just living life that all of a sudden, like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And that's what's needed. It really is what's needed because we've, the Confederate flag battle, and I'm sure you can agree with me, has been something that we have throughout our childhoods have seen on people or just driving and again it's offensive it, it hurts and is is it's disgusting but at the same time me being disgusted 
and fed up and you being disgusted and fed up that that's when we really have to make that because I can be disgusted and fed up because I've been like that for 40 years <laughs> but when we have those conversations those open honest conversations that's when change actually happens because we can do it we've been doing it we've been protesting we've been fussing about it but now it's that time where it's just like okay we need everybody not just people on the sidelines saying oh well I'm sorry for you and right I'm sorry. I don't like it either. But now it's those people who are saying, we're, we're going to fight alongside with you. And that's what we need. Yeah. Um, Tahira, when, what age do you remember your first like encounter with overt racism? Oh, my gosh. Um, I remember I could have been about four or five, and my mother was shopping at Sears in Alabama. And... If you know my mom, you know that she's not stealing anything. She doesn't even use profanity. She doesn't even yell. She'll lecture you, but she's not going to yell. Um, and I remember the store manager and a police officer or security guard um, almost attacking my mother because they thought that she was stealing. And before she can even get the receipt out, it really was like she was stealing. And... Um, to this day, my mom just would not go to Sears, period. And I remember being terrified as a little girl in a store, knowing that my mom didn't steal. I was right there when she paid for it. But the fact that she had, maybe she had a baby bag or something with her. I can't remember what it was, but to think that she stole something. And even then, after they realized that she didn't steal anything to, you know, no apology or anything just go okay and she's never went back in Sears and I remember that I do remember that when you moved to uh the DC Maryland area mm -hmm. um did you ex still experience racism or was it much different Ooh, I had the opposite experience I had the really opposite experience because when I was like I said when growing up when I was coming along in Montgomery Alabama um, my neighborhood was all black. My Catholic school that I went to from first to ninth grade was all black. The Catholic church I went to was all black. I didn't have a lot of interactions with. I had like, I went to Catholic school my whole life. I had the opposite experience, not to interrupt you. I legit did not see a black nun until um, 2013. And I was like, I didn't know that could happen. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. In my like in my Catholic schools, uh, when I lived in Atlanta for a little bit, not to interrupt your story, it was like mostly white, a few black kids. When I was back in San Antonio, it was mostly Hispanic, and in my high school, it was 10, 10 black girls in my class. But was that weird for you, Jana? To to be like one of ten? No, because I mean in San Antonio, like it's a largely Hispanic population, and in my previous school, out of 20 kids, there were four white kids, myself, okay. and then 15 Hispanic kids. Okay. So that wasn't... Wasn't odd. Yeah. Not like maybe Michelle's experience in the last podcast where she right. was like, there was no Hispanic kids. It was like... Right, ten, right, right, yeah. Uh, you know, like 10% of the school is black, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, so you moved to D.C. I don't even know how that looks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... I I went to Alabama State, which is an HBCU. Um, all of my first two years of teaching was outside of Selma, again, 100% African-American. So I didn't know, I didn't have any interactions really with like a lot of whites until I moved to Maryland. And then I moved to the Eastern Shore of Maryland. So the Eastern Shore is very different from Baltimore. Eastern Shore is majority white mm -hmm. um, to a point where my neighborhood that I moved in was off the Chesapeake Bay. It was gorgeous. Um, I looked around and I was just like, I am not in Alabama anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember the first day of profession development, I remember calling my mom. I was like, mom, I've never seen as many white people in my life. <laughs> And it was really interesting because of the part of Maryland that I went to. But even in school itself, there were days when I didn't see another black person until I looked in the mirror. Wow. And that experience was, it was a totally different experience for me, but I learned a lot. 
um, that's when I really started having those really, really in-depth, honest race conversations with my coworkers who really didn't have a lot of interactions with black people, um, except for the few students that we had. Um, uh, my students who didn't have any interactions with black people, except for the one or two blacks that were in their classrooms and me. Um, so that's when those really, really honest race conversations happened. And that went on for about six years. And then I'm, that's when I um, transferred schools and um, went to another school on the other side of Maryland, which was, again, 100% um, black. And then when I was teaching in D.C., it was um, black, Hispanic, and um, a lot of African immigrants. So I've, I've had the... Had the whole gamut. I've had the gamut. So they, you moved back to New Orleans. Um, how long ago? I'm sorry. I moved to New Orleans 2017. 2017. Mm -hmm. um, and like, was your experience here any different? Or I have had some of the best experiences um, in New Orleans, whether it was with my white colleagues, um, especially here at the CrossFit gym. Um, I've had a really good experience. I haven't had any in-your-face racism here. But I can tell you, when I was on the Eastern Shore of Maryland, I experienced a lot of it. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because someone, when you when you think about Maryland, you think about Baltimore. You think about Prince George's County. You think about Montgomery County. You think about Howard County. But no one knows about the Eastern Shore of Maryland where there's lots of cornfields. We, we talked about it. <laughs> we talked about it. Uh, on the last show with Randy and Michelle about how New Orleans is a little bit different because there's so many interactions with each other. Um, and like, it's a shared culture, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I 100% think that, I know there is racism here in this city, you know? I know there is. Um, I think you might see less of it because of that shared culture doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Right. Um, and it also doesn't mean, like it may not be overt, mm -hmm. but there's definitely covert racism where mm -hmm. it's it's kind of in, in your head, you know. My, microaggressions is like the micro word that I thought about after we spoke, because it's not, it's not the overt stuff. It's the little stuff. Like to hear talked about with her mom and like me growing up, I posted a thing on Facebook, like me growing up, it's like, don't ever leave the store without buying something. Or, you know, if I bought a gum, get a bag because somebody might think you, to you took something. But it's like, what if I go to Rouse's and I need, like, for a school project, we had to buy marshmallows. And, like, what if there were no marshmallows? Like, I feel weird. I'm about to be 37 in a couple of weeks. Like, I feel weird leaving the store with no bag, like, nothing now. It's interesting you say that because I never feel that. Yeah. Yeah, because even I remember um, my daughter... She, we went to the Strawberry Festival, and she was like, about four months. And, of course, I'm always going to have a bag because it's... You got it, a lot of stuff. Yeah, a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I remember it's going to baby, Dollar yeah. General, and the the gentleman there, well, yeah, the young man there... Um, <laughs> Who's not a gentleman. <laughs> not that's, a gentleman. That's what Tahira is nicely putting. <laughs> he was not nice. Um, he wanted to take my bag. Now, mind you, there are other, like, we really need to take, it's the Dollar General, sir. I just want some water to mix this baby formula. Um, and he, he was just like, I, I, we really, really don't, we really need to take your bag, and we don't want to um, allow it to come through the store. Again, sir, it's the Dollar General. I'm going to come buy this, and whatever you got to do, you're going to do it. But I'm going to buy this water so I can make, mix this baby's formula. And at that point, it was just like, you got to do what you got to do. But I'm going to get this. You're not getting my baby back. Right. You know? Um, and even now, I still kind of feel weird. Like, people are watching me because I do have – it's a baby bag. But even still, when, I, when I've gone through stores or retail stores or you kind of feel like, is somebody watching me? Mm -hmm. Or you kind of feel like, are there glances? Because I now have this bag and you think that I'm going to steal. Yeah. Yeah, so. So, you know, earlier we were talking about, like, the honest race conversations that need to be had. Um, I think they don't happen because, you know – a lot of white people who 
again, may not be racist, are afraid to have that conversation because it presents awkwardness, right? Yeah. And um, maybe they don't want to understand. I don't know. But it means that they probably have to change how they think. You know, like I talked about how the white privilege thing. Mm. You know what I mean? And it took me three years to figure that out, right? Um, but I had never heard it like that. But you're never going to hear it like that unless you right. speak about it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my friend Anita that I talk to all the time, we probably talk about race every other conversation, if not like every conversation. Mm-hmm. And it's been good for me. And she just straight up calls me out, um, which is, no, it's a good no, thing. It makes, good. Yeah. it makes me think. It makes me think. And sometimes I, I disagree with her. And that's, <laughs> that's my prerogative, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. but we have to have that conversation. Um, you know, what happened uh, with with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery, right? Mm-hmm. Countless other people, okay? Um, with it being in such a short amount of time, and look, this happens all the time, not on camera, right? Mm-hmm. And I think people fail to see that. Um, the thing that's shocking is like, people aren't afraid to do these things, mm-hmm. right? To hear it? <laughs> it's crazy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Jana talked about how because of that nature, even though you lived a very different experience in San Antonio, in New Orleans, and in Chicago, where you maybe never came across some overt racism, mm-hmm. it caused you to second guess one time at a speeding stop, right? Yeah. Um, and even though nothing happened, it's in your head. It's in my head. Right? Yeah. To hear anything like that with you? Always. Always. Um it's always that conversation, even with my husband. It's like, okay, there's police. Make sure you're going to speed limit. Or do you have your registration? Or yesterday we were going somewhere, and it's like, look, make sure you have your driver's license, your registration. He looked at me so crazy. Like, I always have that. I was like, just make sure. But it's those conversations that we always have, or even conversations that I, my sister even had to have with my nephew, or just don't run. Don't look back. Just be respectful. Like, but for real, don't run. You, you, these are conversations that we have. And he was in mil- he's in middle school, but it really are those conversations. And even with myself, I still get a little nervous whenever, you know, a police car is next to me. I'm like, okay, am I going to speed limit? Am I doing the right thing? 10 and 2. Yeah, it's like, it's always <laughs> And that. me, I'm like, what the shit? Oh, my God, yeah. you got to be kidding. Right. Right. It's, it's always that, that constant... Fear that something can happen, and the the sad part is when I talk to males and like men my age, and every single black male just about have had a run in with the police for doing nothing. Or the conversation we had once was how how old how young were you when you first had a gun pulled on you from the police? And that's something that that's a real conversation when you start asking black men that question and some black women you're just like wow it it is blown away or just something even when I was in high school just being in a parking lot talking to my friends and the police being super aggressive to a point where I'm crying but I I, I have to just get home to my mom um just being in a parking lot not doing anything really just because we're out and we just want to talk and you know, it's a really nice night, but those are things that happen, and we're just always in constant nervousness and fear of, you know, it's not as easy as people saying, oh, oh, okay, um, just don't do anything and nothing to happen. Right. I, I really hate that statement because I was like, oh, no, it's not that easy. It is not that easy, but we constantly hear that. Mm-hmm. We constantly hear that. Yeah, that's it's sad. Um, all right, let's let's talk about some things that are going on. Okay, um, I have some things jotted down, so I, I want to talk and I, I want to be as honest about this as possible in terms of my thinking, and maybe you guys tell me, you know, or just give me feedback on it. All right, so let's talk about the Drew Brees <laughs> situation. Okay, um, Tahira, Tahira likes this. <laughs> 
Um, Bless his heart. Yeah, so <laughs> that's cute. <laughs> so, you know, I, I said when this happened, it was the emoji. Yeah. Face palm. You know, for those of you who are listening on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, um, it was the face palm emoji. And I was like, oh, Drew, bad timing, man. Like, this is not the time. Um, and, and, I, and I was just kind of shocked that he said that. And I'm like, all right, he's, he's got him a pilot. He's about to get drug. And he got drug, right? Um, and so my thinking, though, once he started apologizing, sent the video, and, you know, I, I, I follow a lot of black sports media in New Orleans um, and around the country. And there are still a lot of people that are like, screw him. You know, like it doesn't mean anything. Um, I have a different mindset and it, and it follows along with Greg Glassman. Um, and just because how easily maybe I see, think I could step into a pile of shit, right? Mm-hmm. Or any of us. Um, like I said, with the white privilege, that's not nearly as egregious as, as what he had to deal with. But I think that we have to have as a culture the ability to, I don't want to say forgive, but let's allow him to learn from the situation um, because I am not necessarily, I, I'm, I don't like cancel culture, okay? I know there's a lot of people that use that that think differently than me, but in terms of I saying is I think people should be allowed to make mistakes, learn, and grow. Thoughts? Here's my thinking. So he said what he said, I guess, in 2016 when Colin Kaepernick was right. still in the league and kneeling. And, you know, Colin Kaepernick asked a veteran how he should peacefully protest. Not, a lot of people don't know that. A he gr- asked, you know what I mean? So there's like, an Army Green Beret who told him to kneel. Yeah, so White there's guy. that. White guy. For, that was 2016, right? 2016. So, and then everything is happening now. And then Drew does that interview. I'm not sure what the interview was about. About other than the clip that where he doubled down on his comments and you would hope in four years he would have learned something and I'm hesitant to accept that apology like oh he's apology right. paragraphs on Instagram because you've had time to talk to your teammates who it's probably mostly black locker room they literally protect you um, why haven't you taken the time to learn until you just had to double down on your statement and now you're going to learn. I don't, I don't want him to apologize. I don't want an apology. I want to see actual action and him understanding what, what he said is hurtful to people. And it's fine if he reveres the flag that way. I, don't, I had a similar experience as Malcolm Jenkins where my grandparents also fought in the war. Do you know what I mean? But it's like they probably came back to two very different welcomes. Right. Like it's, it's understanding that, you know, that's frustrating that he wouldn't take the time to learn. He's just going to double down on his stance and think that, you know, kneeling is disrespecting the flag when it's not the point of what he was doing. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I agree with you. I totally agree. And I also, I, I think when I, the part that gets me is the fact that you, like you said, Jenna, you had four years to have these conversations. You had time to understand. Understand that the kneeling is about the exact same thing that happened to George Floyd. That is what the protest was about. Like, what way do you want us to protest? What what, right. what do you want us no, to I, do? No, I think that's a beautiful point. Everyone is saying, don't protest like this, or don't protest like this. Well, we that yeah. was a very peaceful protest. He wasn't bothering anybody. He didn't say anything. He simply kneeled. And the thing with that is, just like everybody else, I do hold, I, I do hold a flag in a in a certain stance because I'm American. But at the same time, it's like he's kneeling. He's really not bothering anybody. This is the issue that he's protesting. This is the issue that he's bringing light to. And yet you still didn't understand. Right. You thought it was about disrespecting the flag. It was never about disrespecting the flag. And that's the thing that, you know, like, 
Come on, Breeze. Come on. So, you know, like I totally, I, I'm with you all on that and yeah. I understand that. Um, I guess for me, I'm like, I don't think we should forget like everything he's done for the New Orleans community. Exactly. And that's, you know, that's the right? frustration, right? Because he has right. helped this community. Right. More so right. than like, like, yeah, like uh, what are you doing? Right. Like, there's a, a lot of black people live in New Orleans. Like, you've got to understand how what you're saying is affecting the community that you have right. helped so much with money. And football is just a game. But, like, with a championship and, you know, playoffs, like, what brings our city together, the share culture that we discussed, like, what are you doing? Right. So, I mean, I'm hopeful that he's going to put his money where his mouth is. Yeah. You know, because, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's what he can do. You know, and I think he will. I, I think he's, he came out pretty hard on Twitter on Saturday night um, and but I also, shocked a lot of you people. Know, you think about what he says, he's passing it on to his kids. That's what you have to think about. You know what I mean? Because like the, the racism is not, it's a multi-generational thing, right? And we are not going to just stop it in its tracks now. Like it's about what are the kids learning? Like what's Tahira teaching her daughter? What are you teaching your kids? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like that's how it works. So it's like, what is he teaching his kids? Like, are his kids going to learn from this? Or are they just going to think like, daddy got in trouble with the media? Right. You know what I mean? And not understand what happened. No, I think they have to have a very real conversation with their kids. But that's, that's, and that's we talked a little bit about Randy and Michelle. Is that's where this, we can make the biggest progress is with our kids. Um, and not only with like white people's kids in terms of uh, like teaching them everyone is equal, right? Um, but also with us trying to stop systemic racism yeah. mm -hmm. among the black youth, right? So uh, the similar thing happened with Greg Glassman. Uh, hey, <laughs> Tira, I don't know if you knew about that, did you? I saw it on Twitter. You saw it on Twitter. <laughs> We're all on Twitter. Yeah. You should yeah. follow me. I should, I should. <laughs> but I saw it on Twitter and I was like, uh-oh. That's all I could say was, uh-oh. Right. I, I didn't know what else to say. Right. So um, the thing that people don't, and I probably have a better handle on who Greg Glassman is mm -hmm. than most people. He is very, like, bullish, mm -hmm. okay? But he's also done a lot of things for people. He's built schools in Kenya, um, things like that. And... Uh, what he was replying to, he replied to the like Institute of Medical oh, Health yes. or Public yeah. Health or something like that. Um, and he's already had like spats with them. And I think he was trying to like troll them. And it turned out very bad, mm -hmm. very bad. And so, you know, what happened in the CrossFit world is I'm part of these Facebook groups with a bunch of owners. I started getting phone calls from CrossFit owners across the country. What are you going to do? You know, this is what we're doing. And I'm like, well, I'm, wait to see how this plays out for a second, okay? Mm -hmm. Like, why don't we give it a second here? And also, um, by the way, CrossFit is more than one person. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit different. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, this brand has been all about health and wellness, despite maybe the demographics being mostly white, right? And right. we talk about a lot about, like, how can we get more um, black people involved in CrossFit? I'll announce it now. I didn't announce it last podcast but i'm working with randy son of a saint we're going to get Jana involved um and we're going to create a scholarship fund in new orleans for black youth to start crossfit and they it's not for our gym it's for any gym any gym that they want to choose and that's the way we can get more people involved you know um and if you guys can come up with any other ideas for that let me know we'll be posting that link to that charity probably um if it's done in time, in the show notes. Um, if not, we'll make a post about it. But that's like real solutions, right? Right, right. How can we change the culture mm -hmm. of something? Um, diversity is probably there. I mean, what, what do you think, Tahira? Um, I think that's a very good, that's a very good start because even, um, even when I'm doing CrossFit, I remember the first time I saw Jana, I was like, hi. <laughs> Because even when I dabbled and when I was living in the D.C. area, it was really just me right. as a black person. And so, you know, when you tell people, like, yeah, I'm going to my CrossFit gym. I love those people. And they're like, 
black people do CrossFit? <laughs> yeah, I do CrossFit. But it's all about health and wellness. And I think one of the biggest things that I have taken away from CrossFit is the ability to lift, the ability to learn how to pick up things off the floor, right. or the ability to help people move in a way and be strong for your baby. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the thing is, is that that to me was one of the biggest, that is, it is amazing to be able to tell people like, uh-uh, girl, don't lift that like that. Make sure you lift right. like correctly. And I think that's a big thing that needs to be taught to, you know, generations and especially, you know, blacks because you you can probably attest to it like your family members and so i don't know about yours but mine are you know i don't know there's so many diabetes so much high blood pressure Mm -hmm. and so much um just cholesterol and i don't have it but i try and work every day not to have it and so i think that starting young with people doing crossfit and fitness and saying oh this is just not a white person sport it really is for everyone and it's just a beautiful community like even it's it's amazing so i think that's that's a awesome start the Good. F- the first uh i think it was the first competition i did in mississippi it was like everybody was leaving it was just like there was a there's a black gentleman there i don't know if he was a coach or what but he was like where are people? I was like, that's a good question. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, like, that's a good start to like help diversify because this is my community. You know what I mean? These are my people here. Like, I'm like, do I have any friends that are not at this CrossFit gym? I don't know. (laughs) So it's like to see like Glassman's Glassman's comments. I'm like, that doesn't represent the CrossFit that I see on the ground every day. And even going to other gyms, doing competitions, that's not what I experience. Typically, it's a very inclusive community, yeah. maybe despite the fact that the demographics don't say so. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I remember um, before I even moved here, just being on the phone with you and interacting, it was just like, oh, it's so warm and friendly. <laughs> <laughs> See, y'all? I'm not a dick. <laughs> I remember. And, it's, um, and that what made me want to join Rue. And the first time I came, everybody was just so welcoming, and the community was just so welcoming. And I really cannot talk about you guys enough. I know I don't see you guys enough, but I appreciate before I talk about you guys, it's my family. Those are right. my little favorite faces. I definitely appreciate that. I mean, look, we, uh, you know, I, I talked about it last time, but I definitely want a diverse culture in this gym. Um, you know, it's. And that includes, like, I think the wonderful thing is, you know, we have police officers in the gym. We have black people in the gym. We all understand each other, care for each other, and coexist, right? Um, And maybe, like, you don't have similar interactions where we can talk about this or interact with each other in this type of fashion outside of this. No? No? I think there needs to be more. But I, I wish that, I think a lot of it, the, the interaction part on right. with us, I can speak for myself. I think that I personally need to interact more. And that comes from me having been a little bit more open. I'm mm-hmm. not saying that I intentionally try to, but it's like life, life, life. And then it's like, but I miss you. So Right. Yeah. Jamie? Um. Yeah. I don't know. What was the question? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I forgot to. All right. So I want to, we had, um, it's interesting, like, guys, how quickly this is changing right now. So uh, we released, today is Tuesday. Yeah. Um, Tuesday. We we released the podcast. (laughs) I have to wear the watch to say. With Randy and Michelle yesterday. And last night, I got a text message. I got lots of text messages all day about the podcast um, from white people, how much they love the podcast, okay? Um, and I got a text message last night, and I thought this was super interesting, and I wanted to ask you guys about it, is there is now a stream of consciousness maybe about every interaction, which maybe is good or bad, but um, 
the member asked like, hey, I listened to the podcast and then I came and worked out in the afternoon and uh, there was one of our members, uh, Troy was here, um, a black guy, and uh, we had like the New Orleans bounce station on mm. and it was dropping a bunch of N-bombs and he's like, all of a sudden I recognized that and I didn't know how to feel like, should we avoid that type of music or does it make you feel uncomfortable? I don't say that word. Right. Like even in... Like, I know, I mean in music. Here's the thing that, you know, you struggle with. I don't say that word. Right. But it's the way to take it back is to make it our own. Right? Like, and... Right, like I mean, I guess I've never said it. Like it's always just been like, Ooh, right, like the worst word. But if it's something that if we can take ownership of it, and and I'm I don't know if I'm putting my foot in my mouth. But it's like, how do we take the power back from that word? Is it taking it? You know what I mean? Like, what do you think to her? I'm I'm like Jenna. I do not use the word. Um, my family does not use the word. Um, when I think about most of the music that. I have listened to and grown up, that word is in there. And I like Janice, like, are we, we in the black community kind of takes this thing out of, we take out uh, that word back. Um, and it's really interesting as I'm working out, I don't. You don't hear it. I really don't hear it. I really. Yeah, that was basically, I mean, yeah, with, we, that was basically him saying like, I noticed it all of a sudden right. and I looked around and I'm like, well, there's 19 of us white guys and one black person and there's a bunch of N-bombs right. like, oh shit. You I know? mean, look, I enjoy uh, Drake you know what I mean? like, and I enjoy Lil Wayne and it's a word they say, you know, I just, I don't know. Yeah, I don't I, know, you know, but. I, I, it is really interesting because now, especially now that I have a daughter, a lot of the, especially the trap music that I used to listen to and it's just like, <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm Pulling, I'm pulling up in Johns Hopkins listening to Gucci Mane. Yes, of course. <laughs> and then now when I'm in, in the car, it's like, I have these R&B nursery rhymes now. So I, I do great. I let you listen to them. They're so awesome. I let you listen yeah, to them. Yeah, send them to me too. <laughs> send them to me because I'm sick of listening to Frozen too. So. <laughs> but it's, it's really interesting how that person thought about that. And then I'm in a gym listening to the music, dancing, and I really... Yeah, we're all dancing, too. Uh, we don't, I don't notice it, and I guess maybe because of the music that I do listen to um, that has it a lot, but I, I commend that person for noticing that, you know, and it's like, wow, maybe there needs to be a change. And that's where it starts. That's mm -hmm. exactly where it starts. So what do you think? Should we... I guess it's hard to monitor that. But I guess it's, it's right. over I mean, and know, over again. It's it, hard. You know, it's just like, look, we listen to some songs where we'll be a minute and a half in, and all, <laughs> and I'll be coaching. All of a sudden, I'll be like, "Oh shit! Yeah. Now I need to go change it because <laughs> yeah. it's and like it, f that something." Yeah. <laughs> Janet knows what I'm talking yeah. about. It was on the other day. So I was like, "Get to the." I'm like, I cannot get to iPhone. the iPhone oh, fast enough. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you play the censored version, it's like. It doesn't lose anything to right. me. Right, it's just I, hard I, to find. I know and, what they're saying. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but it's more or less. Hey, thanks for recognizing. Like, right. If, if it's, it's like, a bunch in a row, let's change it. You yeah, know, and it's, it's like maybe whoever that member was, like, you don't sing along to that. Do you know what I mean? Well, or like, I never sing. Well, no, I'm saying, like, <laughs> not even when I am by myself. <laughs> like, it's because I don't want to sing that verse and then maybe sing it elsewhere right, out in public yeah. so that I just don't sing it. So <laughs> yeah. that's. That's how I operate. But I didn't. Th I really. The interesting thing is, I have not even really heard. And now I'm now I'm trying to think like, what song do I dance to? Because I dance a lot. And I'm like, uh, what song are you like with me? Like, what song are we talking about? So it's one of those things where I can't tell you that, but try maybe find a censored song to. Right. You, yeah. You have to. No, I get it. Um, so let's say this. Uh, how do we like when do we say black people, African-Americans, people of color? Does it matter to you? What do you prefer? I know Randy said he prefers to call black. I read something the other day and I hadn't thought about it, how they're not interchangeable. 
because, and I don't, I may, I don't know if I'm misremembering because black encompasses more. Where like somebody from Jamaica may not be like, may not be African American. Right, right. African American like, is very specific. Yeah, specifically, right. or from Africa. I mean, I don't know how the world. So it would be like uh, breaking it down to like I'm German. Right, but. I, but not. <laughs> so does it, any of those three words bother me? Do I think they all apply to me? Yes. I think they all apply. None of them bother me either way. Tara? Same. Because it, it, even with the podcast today, I think I have probably used African-American and blacks interchangeably. So it, it never really, it was never anything that's like, oh, well, I prefer to be called this and I prefer to be called that. I just know one word I will not be called. Right. But, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but it really doesn't bother me. Cool. It doesn't. What do you, what do you think are some like tangible solutions that we can be doing on a, and I mean white people, like local or everyday type of situation or what are some things we can be doing? Vote. Vote. Like I think that it's some people who don't vote or they think I'm going to vote this way because that's really how I feel without looking at what is the bigger picture, what's actually going to make a change. You know, like the the privilege of not being able to vote, being like I'm not going to be affected by this no matter what happens, like that's very nice for you. Whereas, you know, Trump got elected and I could see these horrible things happening and they're happening because like Randy said, like the president sets the tone. Right. Do you know what I mean? And it's not and it's not the only election that matters. Like vote in your local elections because if you want to see actual true change at the level that it affects you every day, it's in the local elections. Yeah, absolutely. I heard that yesterday. Yeah. Local elections matter a lot. They're very powerful. Um, but all elections. Yeah. All mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounded terrible. <laughs> yeah. Now that you, I think about it. you just said it. I'm I like, caught oh. it. I don't know if to hear it caught it. <laughs> I did. I, I basically about said all elections matter. <laughs> <laughs> but it's important to vote in every election. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at you it was coming out of my mouth and I'm like ah. I didn't catch it but um, not only the please vote please but also have those honest conversations you have to have those conversations in order to understand um, because what may work for me like for me I'm all about advocacy I'm all about like like you're starting a scholarship fund for health and wellness that to me that's a big start um but also have those conversations do not be afraid to have those i saw some stuff on social media where i don't know if it was white people or black people saying it but like you know stop asking your black friends about everything that's going on or if they're okay or anything like that i feel like it's the opposite right like i mean i checked in on you yeah so like here's the thing like i came in here last week and it was just like, I'm exhausted. Right. And it maybe wasn't from like the, like the check-ins or whatever, but it's like everything that like just kind of sits like just below the surface was like at the surface. Mm-hmm. And then so you have people and you're like, and it's like, you know, we all say, how are you doing? You're like, I'm okay. But it's no. like, I'm not okay. Right, right. Like, I'm not okay. Like, I'm struggling. You know, my friends honestly ask me like, I'm struggling. I'm like, well, if you ever want to talk, but it's not always like specifically I want to talk about this race thing. You know what I mean? It's like an everyday interaction, but it's just like, yeah, I mean, I started saying, "How are you doing outside of all this shit that's going on?" <laughs> and that 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 to me means the world. So a lot of people, I've, I've actually heard that like, stop asking. It's like, no, I've been in situations where asking those courageous questions mm-hmm. made the world of difference. Trust me, ask those questions. And I remember when last week I really just wanted to bundle up on my sofa and my favorite blanket and that's exactly what I did because I was so exhausted like maybe I should go protest maybe I should do this mm-hmm. and it's like I don't even have the energy at this point I've been there done it I don't have the energy but what I can do is sit here and have this conversation what I can do is um talk to my husband as a black man and just be there for him what I can do is 
hug Janet. Mm-hmm. What I can do is have that conversation with you and just like, hey, I miss you guys. Right. And listen to the podcast. That's the things that I can do. And I uh, I just thought of this, actually. And I think this is an important one that I'm going to throw on here. And I, I added a bunch of stuff that we could do on a government level last week. But for this, I'm thinking, like, what can we all do? And I think it's get out of your bubble. Mm-hmm. You know, like, a yeah. lot of people listen to the same people for their news or to formulate their opinions mm-hmm. all the time. Diversify that and then decide what you think. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like, don't just listen to the same news station. Um, and that goes for everyone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, a, because there's a, there's a high chance that <laughs> you're not getting the full story on any of those <laughs> news stations. Yeah. Period. Okay. Not a single one. Okay. Um, but like, seek different opinions, and then formulate your own based off of a variety of uh, people. You know, I think that's super important. Like, um, I remember, and I I go through this on social media where I was like, I'm not going to unfriend anyone because I I need to see it all, right? Like, I need to see everyone's opinion. I don't want to live in my own echo chamber. Well, I'm done that. It's it's you know, like <laughs> I, the axe comes out pretty hard. But that doesn't mean like I still, you know, I listen to for podcast wise. Mm-hmm. I listen to Bill Maher on Friday nights. I also listen to Dave Rubin who is like super right. Well, he's a libertarian the left gone right. I don't know. But I I yeah. listen to a lot of different sides. I know that I need to listen to more black podcasts. You know, 100 percent. I need to know those opinions here, that side of the story, because a lot of people are missing that, Mm -hmm. you know. And then you have to to realize that you don't have to just because you like someone and you get some of your news from them. You don't have to listen to everything they say. No. You know, like Mm -mm. here's a perfect example. And I might get torched for this, but I'm just going to say it. Okay. (laughs) I just want to know what I'm excited to hear what it is. So. I listen to Clay Travis's podcast, okay? He does Outkick the Coverage to Hear. You probably don't know who he is. You check it out. He says some pretty wild stuff. Um, he tries to think of himself as, like, I just base on facts. Mm-hmm. Some of the stuff he says is pretty wild. And I have to, like, think of, I literally do this. I listen to it. Sometimes I don't, like, I'm not listening to it right now because it's too much. But I'd be like, oh, I agree with that. Nah, that's, that's crazy or that's yeah. stupid or that makes sense. This is stupid, you know? And you have to be able to do that and go back and forth. Like you just don't take one person and say like everything that comes out of that person's mouth, I'm, I'm going to yeah. either agree with or think that it's true or that's the right way. Like a lot of people say good things. A lot of people say stupid shit. You shouldn't take everything I say for, <laughs> <laughs> for 100% truth. Formulate your own truths, you know? Yeah, you have to. You have to. So really do. anything you guys want to add? Um, no. That, that, and I've probably said this a million one times this podcast, have those conversations. Please have those conversations. Don't be afraid to have those conversations just because you you will learn something. You will understand something. And it's always good to see someone else's viewpoints and understand where they're coming from and their experiences. Just like um, Jenna and I are both black women, but I'll experiences growing up were totally different um even our experiences as adults are totally different but Mm -hmm. the the fact remains is that we still have those shared experiences black women in america we still have those experiences and many people many non-blacks are not going to understand it while we do certain things that we do or while we like you said, when we get to a red light or we see a police officer, we're just like this. Or when we're in a grocery store, in a store, we're always kind of like, okay, I'm not going to steal. You can see my purse. Or those those experiences that we've had or those, um, when we're talking about systematic racism or when we've had overt racism happen to us and how we feel about it. So don't, please do have those conversations. And y'all... Uh so here has a 18 month old girl. Okay, let's change the world for her so that she doesn't have to think about that in a store, um, that she doesn't have to think about that at a red light or wherever she goes. So um, Thank that's my hope for her that we can change society, we can change the world to where Tahira's daughter will have the same fears, hopes, dreams as my daughter. 
So absolutely. Y'all make sure to uh, rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. I got to do it. I got to do it. It's funny. We went this super serious thing to this. So um, I, I appreciate it, y'all. If you want to check uh, Tahira out on Twitter, what is your handle? At one fun educator. So oh. it's at one fun underscore educator. Underscore educator. I like it. Uh, Janice is private. Uh, <laughs> where, where are you? Instagram. You can find me uh, JJAX83. And to hear are you on Instagram? Same one at one fun underscore educator. Love it. Number one spelled one. Number one. Okay. There you All go. right. One. Number one <laughs> fun underscore educator. Love it, guys. Uh, peace out. <laughs>